for just shortly, but it has been uh, my honor to have made the acquaintance with Brother Ham through the years, and I uh, haven't been that close, but I, I really highly esteem this uh, good preacher of the gospel, and uh, I know this can be a hard service because everybody's been up and uh, up late, real late, amen, I got to bed about six this morning, amen, but thank God for a little Holy Ghost is keeping us going, amen, so um, I felt impressed to ask him to preach this day service, amen, and I am fully confident today that God is going to speak to our hearts, amen, there's no use to come to church if you're not going to have some preaching that will get into our hearts, amen, young folks, Hallelujah. Keep your eyes open, your hearts involved with the preaching of the Word of God, and I know you're going to be blessed today. Thank you, Brother Ham, for consenting to be here. Amen. Everybody say, Lord, bless the preacher. Anoint the preacher. Everybody, anoint the preacher. In Jesus' name, lift your hands as he comes today. Ask God to help us in this place today. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's it. Let's talk to the Lord a few moments. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. God, I love you. Oh, I worship you today, Lord. I magnify your high and your holy name today. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated today. God bless you for being in the house of the Lord on a Saturday afternoon. And I know in today's society, you have many, many things that you could be doing today. You chose to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, I'm very honored to be here to speak to you this afternoon. I want to thank Brother Hammer for his kind invitation. I have hopes of growing up and becoming a hammer. Right now, I'm just a ham. <clears throat> Maybe someday. <laughs> I love Brother Hammer. I love his spirit. And I love the spirit of this meeting. I love the good, clean feeling. I love the worship. I certainly appreciated your prayer before the service and the power of God we could feel during that time. I want to give honor today to Brother Burr and his memory and his years of labor in this church. God bless him. I got briefly acquainted with him just not too long before he passed away. And what a tremendous man he was and a leader for his generation Give honor to the man who followed him. God bless you, Brother Hammer. And uh, we had Brother Hammer in Melville. He's quite a preacher and a statesman, really. And uh, I, I honor you today and esteem you. And then uh, your pastor today, God bless him and his family, his wife, his children, and the good church here in Port Arthur. Thank you for hosting this meeting every need that we've had has been met. So many of our wants have been met. We appreciate that. Not only were we invited to come, we were treated to a nice room, good food and fellowship, a nice welcoming basket. We appreciate all of that. And uh, 
What a, what a blessing to be able to come to a meeting like this. As far as I know, they have not received any offerings while we've been here. If they did, I missed that. And so they've footed the expense for the meeting, bringing preachers in, the food, running this air and light for these services. Amen. I appreciate it all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the preaching that we've heard this week. Brother Cowan did a tremendous job on Thursday night, breaking up our fallow ground and uh, getting us ready for another uh, conference here in Port Arthur. And uh, I appreciated that message. Brother Phillips last night touched my soul and helped me. And uh, what an anointing that was upon him. And uh, how he lifted us up and made us sit together in heavenly places last night. Gave us a key for our future serving the Lord. Isn't it wonderful to be living for God? Amen. God has given the church everything we need to make it. Praise the Lord. I appreciate all the music and singing. We've heard the worship. And I suppose if, if you, you couldn't shout out on Shout Now, it may never happen. <laughs> but uh, I, I appreciate the good choir singing. And especially the song that said, I surrender. I surrender. Amen. That seems to fit what I want to talk to you about today. Amen. I want to give my heart to the Lord. Would you stand with me this afternoon? My, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. Praise the Lord. Let's thank God for his presence. Oh, we thank you, Lord. God, we honor you this evening. God, let it all, let it all be about you. God, let it all be about you. God, let it all be about you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles, if you would. And let's go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to read one verse here. And then I want to take you back to the Old Testament. Read an unfamiliar passage, but hopefully by the time we leave today, you will have better understanding of it. We will begin in 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, and then we will journey back into the Old Testament, the book of Numbers, chapter 19. 2 Timothy 2 and 20. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. The book of Numbers Chapter 19. In the 19th chapter we read about certain rites of purification. A red heifer being killed and burnt and so forth. Let us read verses 11 through 15. He that toucheth the dead body of any man shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with it on the third day, speaking of the ashes of the red heifer. And on the seventh day he shall be clean. But if he purify not himself the third day, then the seventh day he shall not be clean. 
Whosoever toucheth the dead body of any man that is dead and purifieth not himself, defileth the tabernacle of the Lord. And that soul shall be cut off from Israel, because the water of separation was not sprinkled upon him. He shall be unclean. His uncleanness is yet upon him. This is the law. When a man dieth in a tent, all that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which hath no covering bound upon it is unclean. Would you pray with me at this time? God, I love you. God, I thank you for this meeting, the preaching, the singing, the worship, the physical activity, the fellowship, all that has been done to this point. Your spirit has blessed and anointed, and we thank you for that. God, I ask you to bless now the preaching of your word. Anoint me, the preacher. Anoint the congregation. Anoint the hearers today. God, let this group be hearers. Let us be doers, Lord. Let us be about your business. Help us today, help us today, help us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. And you may be seated. Could I get a little water, brother? Yeah. Do I have to preach to all that's gone? Absolutely. Wow. I thought I only had this. I heard of a preacher that needed two glasses of water to get through his sermon. Afterward, an elderly lady said to him, Preacher, you're the first windmill I ever seen that ran on water. Praise the Lord. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. It'll be all right. Praise the Lord. Vessels. I want to talk about vessels today. And uh, I'm going to hold my title for just a few minutes here while I talk to you about vessels. I want to be a vessel of honor. I don't want to be a vessel of dishonor. Vessels of honor come from every strata of our society. Vessels of honor come from wealthy families and they come from poor families. Vessels of honor come from every nation on this earth, come from every skin color and every nationality. Vessels of honor are not honorable based on their chemical composition. Vessels of honor can be of gold, they can be of silver, but they can also be of wood and of earth or clay. Vessels of honor can come from any family background. Think of Gideon threshing wheat in a, wine, in a wine press. The angel said, oh, thou mighty man of valor. He's like, well, who me? Little scaredy cat over here in the wine press threshing my wheat, hoping no one will see me. He said, I'm the least of the least, and my family's the least of all the families. And God said, Go down and stand by the tent of your enemy and hear what your enemy says about you. And the enemy said of Gideon, I saw a, a cake coming down out of the mountain and it rolled over our tent. 
And the other man said, that's none other than Gideon. And so vessels of honor can come from any strata of our society. Any occupation can produce a vessel of honor. Think of David, whom we have heard preached about this week. Came from the backside of the desert, as his eldest brother said, tending those few sheep. And yet he was a vessel of honor chosen by God. The three Hebrew boys who we've heard preached about this week also came from unknown backgrounds, unknown family lineage to earn a place in the good book as men who would stand upon their convictions. And, and they wanted victory and they believed in victory, but they said if we do not have victory, we still will not give in. And we will not bow. Amen. Vessels of honor can come from lowly carpenter families. They can be born in stables. They can be laid in mangers. Vessels of honor can come from any strata of our society. They can come off a fishing boat and preach on the day of Pentecost. They can come from a tax collector's station. And write a part of this good book. Vessels of honor. I want to be a vessel of honor. Vessels can become contaminated by the environment that they are in unless they have the proper covering in place. And the coverings in our lives act as filters for us. The attitudes, misconceptions, rebellion that Satan would stain our soul with can be negated by the proper coverings in our lives. And so I've got two vessels here. Pray I don't spill them. They look all right. They look all right. Better wake up. Keep an eye on it. If it looks like it's fallen, let me know. Vessels, vessels, vessels. We have coverings in our lives, all of us do. We have certain things that are in place in our lives. First of all, of course, there's that covering called God, God's Spirit. God is the Father of all creation. Whether if you ever serve him or not, he is a covering in every life. He created us. He breathed the breath of life into our bodies. And he reigns supreme in our hearts and lives today. He reigns in this universe. And he is a covering over all people. He is a covering over all nations. He is a covering today. And so we all have that same privilege of being covered by the Spirit of God Almighty. We have parents today, moms and dads, who should be covering our lives and they are there to keep certain things off of us and away from us and they are there to, to stand in the gap and make up the hedge, our moms and our dads are coverings over 
our lives. And when the enemy comes along and tries to contaminate our spirit and our hearts, there's a mom and a dad faithfully praying, seeking God for you. Nobody loves you today like your parents love you. Praise the Lord. There is civil authority in our life. There are policemen that are out there to protect us from crazy people and drug addicts and people that would harm us and hurt us. They are there to help us in our lives. There are other people, maybe school teachers or college professors, or if you're fortunate enough to be in a church school, those teachers are there to stand in the way and keep things off of you. Thank God we've been given pastors and preachers and missionaries and evangelists, prophets and apostles to protect us and keep us. And so... We live our lives as vessels and we need to have coverings in place because as God was giving the law to Moses, he began to tell him in numbers, there are some things that can cause a man to be unclean. There are some things that can cause a person to be unacceptable in my sight. There are some things that if you touch or participate in, you are not welcome in my house. You are not welcome in my presence. And so he begins to tell him, if you touch the, uh, there were certain things you could touch and you'd be unclean until the evening. There were other things that you would touch that you would be unclean for seven days. There were other things that you could touch and you would be unclean for the rest of your life. But in our specific text tonight, the Bible says that if a man dies in a tent, all that come into the tent and all that is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. I think about our common ancestor, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, one little rule not to break and a great covering of Almighty God over their lives. But in that tent, Man partook of the forbidden fruit and he died there that day. And everything that has been born into a fleshly tent since that time has been born unclean and contaminated into this world. The Bible said by the disobedience of one man, sin entered the world and so death passed upon all men. And so I want to tell you today that when you come into this world, you're born with a sin nature. You're born out of fellowship with God. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need to surrender your heart to God. You need to submit to your parents and your pastor and the civil authority around you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. When a man dies in a tent, the tent is unclean. Everything in the tent is unclean. And then he added this little addendum. Every open vessel which has no covering bound upon it is unclean. Have you ever sat an open glass of milk in the refrigerator? Cut an onion and set it beside it. 
come back the next day and take a sip of the milk. It tastes like onion because it was uncovered and it picked up the things that were around it. Uncovered vessels are always impacted by their environment. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My subject today for your consideration is this. Uncovered vessels. Uncovered vessels. I want to preach to you a little bit today. And perhaps give you another key for your future. As we heard a tremendous message last night. Maybe this will help you in some days ahead. I want to tell you first of all young people. Where you stand in society at least as far as God is concerned. I know that in our society, our politically correct society today, children are now the rulers and women are the oppressors, but that is not God's order. Praise the Lord. The Bible said in Ephesians 5 and 23, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Think of it in your mind this way. God is over all. God is over everything. Jesus Christ, who was God manifest in the flesh, who was God plus a body, Jesus Christ representing the body, is the head over the church. He is the chief shepherd. The pastor is the under-shepherd. And then your parents are there underneath the pastor And then at the very bottom of the totem pole are the children. It's God's way and it's His order. Paul said in Ephesians 6 and 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. He said in Colossians 3 and 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. He said, Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment of promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4 that he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Hebrews said in 13 and 7, Remember them which have the rule over you. Remember them. Take heed to what they're saying. Let it settle into your heart. Remember them when you leave the house of God. Don't leave the preaching when you go out the back door. Remember them when you're getting dressed for school the next day. Remember them when you're in the, in the department store buying your clothing. Remember them when you're picking out your reading material. Remember them when you're using your cellular devices. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow Amen. Keep a preacher always in your life. Follow their faith. Follow their example. Follow their diligence. Hebrews said also in verse 17, same chapter, 
Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Do you know that you can be obedient without being submissive? But you cannot be submissive without being obedient. And so Paul said, obey them and submit to them. To submit means to cheerfully obey. Your attitude matters in how you follow what the preacher is saying in your life. The Bible said in Isaiah 1 and 19, If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. It's not just a matter of, well, I'll do it because the preacher said, if you want a good covering in your life, you need to work on your attitude. Not only be obedient, you need to be willing to do it and submit to it. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and thank God for a preacher. You may be seated. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls. Your pastor is a watcher. He's a watchman on the wall. He's looking and seeing what's coming down the pipe. He just so happens to stand a little higher than you do. He sees a little farther than you do. He also stands higher than your mom. He stands higher than your dad. He stands higher than your grandparents. He stands higher than your carnal neighbor that seems to know everything. He stands higher than your backslidden friends whom you like to connect up with. He has a lofty position in the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? You may be seated. For they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For that is unprofitable for you. He said also in verse 18, pray for us. You ought to pray for your preacher. You ought to pray for your pastor. You ought to pray for your man of God. Lord, give my pastor sharp vision. Lord, give him understanding of the times. Give him a keen insight to what the devil is trying to do in our society. He said also in verse 24, Salute all them that have the rule over you. Be nice to them. Be courteous to them. Be kind to them. Praise the Lord. We have civil authority in our lives today. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and 13, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. Policemen, judges, other civil authority are not in your life to torment or harass you. At least they're not supposed to be. They're there to protect us from the evil menaces of our society. And they are a type of covering to us. I want to tell you something today. If you're here and you were born in an apostolic church or are privileged to attend a church today that preaches this gospel message, you ought to thank God every day 
for the coverings that you have in your life. You don't want to be an uncovered vessel in this world. The devil can come along with all of his tricks and tactics. And he can try to poison your life with something. But it can never get down to your soul because there are filters there in the way of those fiery darts of the devil. The devil can come along with some bitterness and try to get it into your spirit. But as long as those coverings are in place, the vessel remains clean and honorable before God. He can come along and bring an ugly word and try to put it in your mind and in your heart. But as long as there are filters in place, uh, they're going to keep you clean and humble before God Almighty. But I want to tell you today, you have the opportunity to take the coverings off of your life. You have the opportunity to remove these coverings off of your life. You have the opportunity to say, well, I don't care what the pastor says. He's out of touch anyway. After all, he's 50 now. He's forgotten what it was like to be a teenager. After all, he's 60 or he's past 40 or he's in his 30s now. He doesn't remember what it was like to be a young person. He doesn't know what it feels like to be a teenager in 2014. And and so uh, you don't have to leave the church. You don't have to go out and backslide. You can sit right on the pew and take the covering of the pastor off of your life. You can sit in a classroom and ignore what your teacher is saying. You can sit in a Sunday school class and ignore the good word of God. And that that covering will be removed out of your life. Uh, amen. Uh, you, you can disregard the police in your town. Uh, you can say, well, I don't care. I'm not going to submit to them. Uh, there will come a day when you're going to be on the side of the road and need some blue lights there to keep the 18 wheelers off of you. You, you can look at your mom and you can, you can still eat her cooking and you can even brag on it, but you can remove that covering from your life if you're not appreciative of a godly mom and dad in your life. Uh, you can disregard her advice. Uh, you, can, you can do what you want to do and, and you losing your coverings. Uh, you can look at your dad and, and you can say, well, dad, uh, you just don't understand. Uh, don't you see I'm shaving now too? Did you notice the shaving gel in my, in my toiletries kit? Did you notice I'm a man now too? You can step out from under the covering. Samson was one of these kind of people. He was born with a special calling on his life. From his mother's womb, he was covered by a vow to God that said he would never touch any dead thing. He was not going to be made unclean by touching a dead body. He was not going to cut his hair and he was not going to partake of the vine. But Samson got it in his heart. The Bible said he went down to Timnath, saw 
saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and mother, Hey, I found a girl that I like. And I'd like for you to go down there and make arrangements. I want her to be my wife. And his father and mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that you want to go and find a wife among the Philistines. Can't you look around church and find somebody? Can't you watch the front and see where the worshipers are? Have you noticed who's been singing in the choir, praying around the altar? Why can't you look around here and find you a companion? This was Samson's answer. You may be seated. Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. While he's going down to see her, he kills a lion. And a few days later, he's going back the same trail and the dead body is there. Yes, there's some honey there. But Samson, when you touch it, you are going to be unclean. You are uncovering yourself. Adam and Eve reached out and partook of the fruit. And yes, Adam was there with her. After she ate it, he ate it too. They'd never been so ashamed what happened. The great covering of God's presence that came and fellowship with them and the cool of the day was lifted off of them. They felt so naked and so alone and so exposed and the devil came by and just put a little drop of venom in them and now they're, they're becoming unclean. The vessel is exposed. Samson! You're looking in all the wrong places for love, man. You're looking in the wrong, uh, l- the wrong restaurants. You're looking in the wrong parts of society. Your vessel is uncovered. You're becoming unclean and tainted before God Almighty. Samson said, I want her. She's so beautiful. She pleaseth me well. And mom and daddy said, please, son, let us filter this out of your life. It's going to be a snare to you. Samson, if you could only see, it's going to cost you your anointing. But he made another trip. Not only has he touched a dead body, he's now living in sin and fornication and adultery down there. One by one, he's taken every cover off of his life. Satan now has an open access to his spirit. The Bible said Esau was 40 years old when he took Judith to wife, which was a grief of mind unto Isaac and Rebekah. The Bible said also when, when Esau looked and saw that Isaac said to Jacob, don't take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. And Jacob obeyed his father and mother. Then Esau went and done just the opposite. When he saw that his parents were pleased with Jacob's obedience, he did the opposite. 
No wonder Esau was hated by God. No wonder Jacob was loved by God. Jacob was obedient to his parents. These men were 40 years old and their parents still had influence in their lives. Some of you are 17, 18, 19, 20 and you think you're ready to get the filter off of your life. You don't know what spirits you're about to open yourself up to when you remove these coverings off of your life. Thank God for my Christian heritage. Thank God for a daddy that withstood me. Thank God for a daddy that would not give in to my whims and passions. Thank God for a daddy that said, I don't care if all the other kids from church are going, you're not going. Thank God for a daddy that said, well, I know we used to do it that way, but the pastor drew the line here and that's where we now draw the line. Thank God for a preacher that'll stand behind the sacred desk, plant his feet in the carpet, square his shoulders, look you right in the eye and say, not around here, not on these pews, not on this platform, not in this assembly. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, you may be seated. The Bible said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They're taking the covering of a good pastor off of their family. After their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're saying, we're, we're going over here where they don't preach it quite as strong, where they let up just a little. And they're opening themselves up and their families up to the venom of the devil. They're opening themselves up to the filth of Hollywood. They're opening themselves up to the dangers of television. They're opening their families up to the spirits of immorality. Thank God for a preacher that'll look a young man in the eye and say, get you a comb and comb your hair. Get rid of that effeminate hairstyle. <laughs> you know what he's doing? He's standing in between you and the devil. When the devil tries to reach you with that effeminate spirit, there's a preacher saying, Get out of here, you unclean spirit! You're not coming in the house of God! He's preaching it off of you, and you better thank God for it! I said he's preaching it off of you, and you better thank God for it! 
He's not ashamed to look at young ladies and say, Ma'am, your skirt's too short. He's not afraid to send his wife and say, That, that blouse is too tight. You're, you're trying to bring a spirit of immorality in our church. Oh, but thank God the preacher stands and says, Not around here. We want our vessels to be clean and honorable and holy before God. Hallelujah, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. You come dragging your boyfriend or girlfriend in from the neighboring church and he says, no, 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 not in this house. I refuse to let you pull the covering off and be contaminated by immorality and fornication and uncleanness and perversion. And he stands up and he keeps it off of you and you stay clean before God. He's not ashamed to tell you how to use your cellular device if you have one. You better listen to your preacher. He's trying to keep something off of you. He's trying to preserve an anointing. He's trying to preserve some honor and worth in the kingdom of God. Don't ruin yourself by taking the coverings off of your life. Yes, a preacher has something to say about how we use technology. When he draws the line and says, no social networking here, you better line up to it. He's protecting you from something unclean. Hallelujah. Why don't you clap, rejoice a little for a preacher and a covering in your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Bible said in Romans 13 and 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. There is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Every covering in your life is ordained of God. Yes, even the civil covering. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. When you say no to parental authority and you say no to a pastor and you say no to the evangelist and you say no to the police, no to mom, no to dad, no to everybody, you are ultimately saying no to God. I'm fixing to help somebody here today if you'll listen to me. Whoso resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. No wonder God could say to a crying prophet, Samuel, the people have not 
rejected thee, they have rejected me that I should not reign over them. It was not just that they wanted a king to be like everybody else. God said, Samuel, it's not about you. Ultimately, it's about the authority that I should have in their life. Brother, when God pulls his covering off of you, you are open to every foul spirit of this world. You are open to every demon of uncleanness in this world. You are open to suicide. You are open to filthiness. You are open to immorality and uncleanness. I want a covering in my life. I don't want to be an uncovered vessel. Peter looked at Ananias. He said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? You were looking at me, Ananias. The words you said went in my ears, but really you was lying to the Holy Ghost. Whoso resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's pray a moment. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. God came with a word for somebody in this house. The Spirit of the Lord is here with a message for somebody. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm going to preach just a few more moments here. But I feel like the Spirit of God is wanting to help someone today. You've been frustrated about where did all this come from? Why do I feel so unclean and dirty? You need to check and see if you've been taking some coverings off. The Bible said when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. When he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. There's no covering over it. There's no lock on the door. There's no parents praying. There's no preacher preaching. Nobody is standing there to turn that evil spirit away. I'm thinking of a number of young people that I have watched in my life. They have pulled the coverings off. And it breaks my heart to think of story after story. I know everybody's not as privileged as I was to have great parents as I did. I'm thinking of a young man who came to our church school. His daddy and mom were divorced. Neither one of them going to church, though they had church background. His grandmother was in our church. And she brought Bruce and his sister to church, and they got stirred up and sought the Lord. And so they lived there with her and came to our school. I was Bruce's principal, high school teacher. I don't think I've ever met a nicer, more courteous young man. 
You don't have to have tattoos and dress in black to be rebellious. All you have to do is start pulling the coverings off. These things get in your spirit. Now remember watching as his attitude began to change toward his grandmother. Began to change toward us at school. Began to change toward his friends. He left our school and went to the local public school. And I'm not saying that everybody that does that is going to go to hell or whatever. But for him, it was a matter of his attitude and why he was doing it. What was his reasoning? And it was simply that he did not want to be bound by the rules of our church and our school. And he, and he took the coverings off. He still came to church. I remember the last service he was in. Our pastor preached. Gave the altar call and Bruce stood up to head to the back. And our pastor didn't always do this. I really can't remember him ever doing it any other time. But he said, son, please don't go out the door right now. Please come and pray. And he walked out the back door. He pulled the last covering off. He said no to God. A few days later, we were in our Bible class. And another teacher came to the door and said, Y'all need to pray. Bruce has been in a wreck this morning on his way to school. And we got down and prayed. I remember the teenagers in that room laughing and jesting among themselves. They said, ah, Bruce, probably just a scratch. I probably don't even have a broken bone. And, and we had already got back in our seats when Sister Candy Ritchie came back and said, Bruce is dead. What weeping, what crying, what wailing. Bruce's sister who he had leaned over and hugged her and said, I love you and tell Momo and Papa I love them too. That morning, not knowing that he had rejected his last covering. He was on a little bitty old road, just a road the speed limit was probably 35. Nobody knows to this day how it happened. His vehicle was the only vehicle involved. And there he wrecked it and died. Reminds me of the words of our Savior. For the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. And he knows if he can get you to pull these coverings off of your vessel. He can inject his venom into your spirit. You're open prey to Him when you're uncovered. In the summer of 89, maybe the spring of 90, I was 20, turning 21 during that time. I was the third of six children and I still lived at home. I got to where I didn't too much care for the rules of the house. 
I was in, in my third year of college. My brother just under me was in his first year of college. We began to talk and converse, and I have to confess, most of it came from me. I said, you know, Dad's just not treating us like most 20 and 18-year-olds get treated. You think it's right that we ought to have to tell him everywhere we go? Ask permission to ride to town? You know, I paid for that truck. I'm paying all the insurance on it. You think it's right that he can still tell me what to do, where to go, and when to be home? Well, I really stirred it up in my brother. These spirits do not like to act alone. I didn't understand it at the time, but I had a tremendous mom and dad. I thought my dad was just old-fashioned. And I got a spirit of rebellion that got a hold of me because I pushed my dad's counsel to the side. I said some ugly things to him. I still lived in his house and appreciated all of the conveniences of living there while I was going to college, but I just thought I ought to be treated a little better and a little different. My younger brother, my kid brother, got wind of what his two older brothers were talking about, and he went and told my mom. Of course, my mom told my dad. I remember the day my dad called me and my brother just under me up to the shed. It wasn't a woodshed, but it may as well have been. Walking up there, I thought, well, today's the day when we gain some freedom around here. Today's the day when he understands I'm just a year away from a bachelor's degree. I'm well respected over here at my college. I've I've been higher than any other kids from this church and school and got more academic honors to my name. And I, I've, I've been responsible. I've been this. I, today's the day. And so my dad, he just started right in on us. And he said, I understand y'all looking for another place to live. My brother just under me said, oh, not me. It's his idea. <laughs> and I'm standing there looking at my dad. And it breaks my heart today to think about some of the things that I said to him. But I stood there and I looked at my daddy and I said, yes, it's true. There's some rules you have around here that I think are a little extreme and I think you ought to relax a little bit. He said, let me tell you how it was and is and shall be. As long as you're putting your feet under my table, as long as you lay your head under my roof, you're going to abide by my rules. It did not matter that I was driving a vehicle that I paid for, that I was paying my way to college. My dad had told me, he said, son, I'll 
help you your first two years, same as my dad did for me. I showed up to college and got a full scholarship. I went back to my dad. I said, Dad, I'd like that money you promised me. I said, I really worked hard to get this scholarship. He said, the way I see it, if I wasn't as smart as I was, you wouldn't be as smart as you was, so I'm going to keep my money. I never did get it out of him. My oldest sister got married about 1989. My dad gave her $1,000 for her wedding. Some 22 years later, my baby sister got married. My dad gave her $1,000 for her wedding. She said, but dad, think about inflation. He said, it's not my fault you waited 20 years to get married. What a covering. What a covering. I was raised in the church. I received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name at the age of nine. But I began to pull the coverings away and try to step out, look around a little. And before I knew it, I had the worst cussing habit you ever heard because my covering was gone and the devil came and put that in my spirit the next thing I knew I was riding to college one morning and an evil nasty spirit got in the truck with me and said pull over in front of that 18 wheeler drive your vehicle over the side of that bridge and my soul got blacker and my heart got blacker. I began to hate my daddy. And all he tried to do was be a good covering over me. And when I pulled that covering off, I didn't know that every uncovered vessel is unclean. I, I was open season and an open target for every evil spirit that wanted to come by and attach itself to me. I had been a clean young man. I remember fighting terrible spirits of immorality and perversion. Say, God, where did this come from? This is not me. This is not who I want to be. And I didn't know how to Help myself. I didn't know what to do. I went to the altar and prayed, but I could not pray. My heart was crusted over with bitterness and hatred, and stubbornness and rebellion. I tried, I tried, I tried. Until one night, I don't know who was preaching. I don't know what they preached. All I knew was I've got to get to that altar. God, I need a covering in my life. I poured my heart out over that altar that night. I broke and sobbed and I cried until I didn't think I could cry anymore. And the first person I wanted to see when I stood up was my daddy. 
And all I could say was, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I stayed at home until I was 24 when I married my wife. My dad became not just a covering, but a tremendous friend, a fishing partner, a hunting partner, a man that I could call and say, Daddy, help me pray about this. And until I buried him on the third day of November, 2013, my dad was a covering in my life. And I came today with a heavy heart to try to reach some young man, a young lady, to try to tell you, today you can empty all that bitterness out, that stubbornness out, that rebellion out. God will forgive you. God and your parents and your pastor will still love you. They'll love you more if it's possible. But you have to understand and appreciate the coverings in your life. You have to be able to say, God, ultimately I've been rebellious toward you. As they come to the music, I want us to begin to pray. I feel like some hearts can break in this house today. I feel like some young people can go back home and be a better son and a better daughter. I feel like you can be an honorable vessel in your church again. Get this rebellion off of you. Get this stubbornness out of your spirit. Oh, God. God, I didn't really mean to be here. It's just where I find myself today. I want only adults on the platform, please. I want all youth, young men and young women who can to come and find yourself a place to pray. I want you to open your hearts to the Lord right now. I want you to surrender your heart. Empty your soul before God and get that covering back in place. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, empty out everything the devil has put in your spirit. You can leave here with a love for your parents and your pastor, the preachers in your life, the men of God, the teachers, the Sunday school teachers, the youth leaders. They're all trying to help you and be a covering for you. Come on, change the way you see the authority in your life today. They're not there to cramp your style. They're not there to hold you back. They're there to filter some things out of your life and off of you. Hallelujah, that's it. As much as you've given yourself to any service, give yourself to prayer right now. As much as you've given yourself to singing and praising and dancing, give yourself to prayer right now. As much as you've given yourself to ball and volleyball and basketball and fellowship, give yourself to prayer right now. Let there be a roar of prayer in this house this evening. God, I want to go home different. God, I want to go home with all the coverings in place. 
God, I want to be a vessel of honor in your house and in your hands. Cleanse me, oh God. Cleanse me, oh God, from my secret faults. Cleanse me, oh God, from stubbornness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, young men. Open your mouth and cry out to God. Don't be ashamed to let tears flow today, young lady.